0: There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? You can do it! Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this
1: chicken. That's what she said. Bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, beautiful, beautiful spring slash summer weather time, good week time, kinda, also a bad week time, that's always the case with Tennessee time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, recording this on a Friday afternoon. Going to release it shortly after I'm done with this. And I say I, and not we today, because I'm going to start off with some bad news, guys. Just me today. Just me. The good news is that we've also got uh, some quotes, some knowledge About half an hour's worth of stuff from Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee's new football coach, coming to you after we get through this intro part and going through the weekly roundup. What a week it's been. My goodness. Is there ever a dull week here? Ever. It's like the NFL draft happened. That's not even like on the top five list of things that we need to talk about this week, y'all. It is nuts. And it's just me because we just got back from our annual 24-7 Sports Summit or our 24-7 Sports Convention in Nashville. Our full staff matriculated down Interstate 40 westbound for a couple hours, spent a few days with our wonderful, wonderful team there at CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports. We were in Nashville having a good time. So if you hear my voice and wonder what's wrong with it. If it's even worse than usual, you are correct. We have been uh, celebrating. We have been having a good time, perhaps imbibing to celebrate what a wonderful year that we've had at the company. So not a lot of sleep the past couple days, uh, but in a good way. We've been having a good time. Also had a ton of productive meetings during the day, which naturally was the main point of the conference. And before we get into this Tennessee stuff, guys, I am going to Brag, not on myself because I am worthless. I'm lucky I get my pants on in the morning and walk out the door. But our team at 24-7 Sports, it's just crazy to me. And and it's y'all, really, who have done this. It's y'all who are the, the subscribers, uh, the people who enjoy our free content, our VIP content, people who are on our message boards, people who are watching our videos. In this case, listening to this podcast. I remember about eight years ago, uh, I had been working at the Chattanooga Times Free Plus, uh, a place I still love, hashtag TFP for life. And, and I had a couple opportunities to, to leave for some other places, um, some, some nice jobs, actually. Uh, didn't take them. And the point was, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about myself here. I'm talking about 24-7 sports because Shannon Terry, Sold me like he sold a couple of us on the vision of what this place was was gonna be, what this website was gonna be. And Shannon, for those of y'all who don't know who he was the man who founded alliance sports and and then sold it, and then he founded uh, Rivals.com. rivals dot com rivals, sold that to Yahoo, sat out for a couple of years with the non-compete, and wanted to take all that stuff he'd learned from all that time and make really kind of the the perfect or a more perfect uh, experience for for sports fans. And my goodness, he's done it. I remember he sold me on what this place would be. And even when he sold me on it, I thought, there's no way that that a lot of this stuff will happen. Not all this stuff. And you know what? He was wrong only because he undersold it. What we've done here in eight years, I mean, one of the top, I think number seven uh, in sort of Facebook sports impressions anywhere, uh, top websites, um, got the marriage with CBS Sports, and you know we, we've gone from a company of probably, I don't know 40, 50 people maybe at first to now, there's hundreds of us. and there are about 300 of us there at the at the summit. and uh, there are there are some things that I can talk about that we've got coming, but I don't really have the authority or the clearance. I'm going to err on the side of of caution and keeping my job. but it's just an unbelievable success story twenty four seven sports has been. It, it, it's been y'all who have done it. Um, y'all who who experience all of this, y'all who uh, who support our product, who, who give us money, uh, whether it's through your subscriptions or whether it's through the, the ad, ads on the website, which I know some of y'all love very much. But we've got some things coming in the next year to this company. A lot of these things are things that the subscribers have wanted for a long time. And we're doing some of that. We're completely cleaning up uh, a lot of the front page, again, some of the story content. If you want to go to comicbook.com, which is Shan Terry's other uh, one of his other properties, you can see uh, sort of what the comment sections and the streamlining of everything, what it's going to look like. Uh, it's just going to be unbelievable, uh, guys. It, it's to be part of a company where we actually listen to the, to the subscribers, to the customers, and we can't give them everything you want be, because life's not perfect like that. But To be able to do as many things as we're able to do, this is just unbelievable. Shanteri has has done a remarkable job with this company, and just the the vision that he has for it going forward is even bigger. And there are so many things uh, that we can – discuss here in the coming weeks. I know people wonder, what are you going to talk about in the summer? Well, something always happens at Tennessee. So we're always going to have interesting stuff to do. Uh, but our team, and, and, and by that I don't just mean uh, Ryan Callahan and Patrick Brown and Grant Ramey there and Maria Cornelius with me there at Twenty 247 I mean across the network, all the 24-7 sports employees, all of the uh, CBS sports employees, uh, the machine to get this many people uh, it's hard to get an aircraft carrier to be nimble, uh, but we're, we're getting to be a really nimble kind of aircraft carrier, and it's been uh, humbling and really, really fun to be a part of it. It was a tough decision uh, to leave that Times Free Press, a place I loved and um, uh, a place it was hard to get me out of, but this was the right opportunity, and I am grateful uh, that I said yes to this. I know that the rest of the guys are as well. Uh, there's a, a ton a ton going on. Normally you don't just have to hear me in a podcast, but when we got back uh, Friday afternoon from, from our few days in Nashville, uh, the, the Callahan family had a, a family trip for the weekend planned, so he had to get on the road. Uh, Patrick Brown had to uh, go get some stuff uh, with his dog, uh, who is more spoiled than most children are. She's a beautiful dog, though. Uh, he and his wife take great care of that of that lovely lassie but they had some stuff to do there. And as you all know, Ramey has, um, I don't know, what what's it up to, 14 kids, something like that. So uh, team dad's always got to go get some stuff done. I'm just kidding. Uh, he has two kids. I just joked that it seems like he has a million of them. Uh, but that's why those guys couldn't be here today. Obviously, they send their love and their regards. In Callahan's case, it's probably like the Lannisters sending their regards. But beyond that, just wanted to say, thank you to all y'all who who listen to this uh, podcast uh thanks for to those of y'all who who sign up for the uh, for the subscriptions on the website uh, just thank you uh, for everything uh, that y'all do and continue to do uh, continue to 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 give us your input your feedback uh, we're going to clean up our entire message board going forward that's going to be an unbelievable experience for everybody we've seen some of the the ups of it some of the designs and I know that might lead you all to some questions, and, and no, I can't answer them right now because uh, I, I don't have the uh, clearance, uh, I don't believe, to do that. But I can say that we've got a lot of cool things coming out and that Shantary uh, is an unbelievable guy, a great guy to work for, and I don't say that because I have to, because um, I don't have to, but I'm just saying it because uh, this man is like the King Midas of, uh, of college football. Uh, and, and sports in general, uh, of the fan experience for the website. And, and just cr- it's so many – so cool to, to us to, to sit down. You know, uh, we sat down for dinner last night with some of the guys who run the UCLA and Stanford sites and some of the Oregon guys and guys from the Big 12, uh, you know, guys from, from the Big 10, uh, guys from some smaller markets and, and smaller conference teams across the country. You know, adding guys like Evan Daniels and, and, and those scout guys with the you know with the basketball stuff they do, uh, it's just unbelievable uh, what a lot of those guys do on a daily basis. And it's awesome to to kind of incorporate scout the way that we have and kind of get that thing turned around and bring them into the family. And um, I'm just a moron sitting here talking. Uh, the people at 24/7 Sports, the the Shannon Terrys and, and the Pat Tholeys and, and, and Andy. Andy Johnson, uh, you know, uh, Lonnie Polk, who's getting married this weekend. Congratulations. Uh, Meredith O'Brien, Christy Ambrose. I could go on and on and on. And a lot of these names are people that y'all don't know and maybe won't ever know. Um, but they're the people who build the platform and who build this company and who make it what it is. I'm incredibly proud to call them co workers. But you know what, timing is, guys, when you hear this, that's the itinerary. For this podcast, there is a ton to talk about. I will go through a lot of it as quickly as I possibly can, because y'all don't want to hear just my voice; you want to hear uh, some of the information. I'll, I'll quickly get to the NFL draft picks. Uh, there were three guys taken in the draft. We thought it would be somewhere from two to four, and it ended up being three: Rashawn Gallon to the Carolina Panthers in the third round, John Kelly to the Los Angeles Rams uh, in the sixth round, and Khalil McKenzie to the Kansas City Chiefs as potentially an offensive lineman. Uh, in the in the sixth round, I know Butch Jones is getting a lot of a lot of a lot of stick for that Khalil McKenzie thing, but because uh, they might move him to offensive line, he might be better there. I, I think Khalil might have transferred if they had tried to move him to offensive line early in his career. So I, I don't think that. There are many, many things, many, many things we could do. I could sit here and read uh, audible style a a book on. On all of the things Butch Jones did wrong. However, uh, I don't I don't know that I'm going to completely, uh, completely garbage, trash, rubbish him for the Khalil McKenzie thing. Uh, if he if he misevaluated that, so did everybody else in the country. So let's give some 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 credit or at least lack of punishment where due. Uh, and we mentioned those three guys who got drafted. Obviously, there were more than uh, there were double digits, and other guys who signed free agent deals. A couple of guys with some camp tryouts. So that that was more than 10 guys there. We've got the full list on govals247.com. If I had all the guys with me, we'd break all that down and talk about which guys could make a team and and all those other things. Which ones will struggle? Uh, what the what the the Steelers taking a quarterback early in the draft means for Josh Dobbs. Does he go to the practice squad maybe potentially? Um, does he get released or traded somewhere? We we don't know. Uh, we're going to be continuing to follow all of these things. But the reason why that's not the big deal is because lo and behold, guys, stop me if you've heard this before, University of Tennessee leadership uh, in transit in a transitional period. This is what Tennessee does. Uh, Amazingly, uh, after just 14 months as the chancellor of the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, Beverly Davenport has been demoted. She'll now be making, what, like, 1.5 1.5 or so million dollars over the next four years to be now a uh, professor in the College of Communication and Information. And and by the way, if you've not read this yet, um, the termination letter or demotion letter that she got from UT President Joe DiPietro, oh, man. Oh, that was scathing. That was a scorched earth, scorched freaking earth termination pl- uh, letter or notice. It, it was... Uh, some people are calling it unprofessional, and, and I don't know if I'm going to go that far. But but it, it could have been a little could have been handled a little better. Um, and I think that if you're going to sit there and say that the Davenport has been perfect as chancellor, well, you'd be wrong. The, she's done a lot of things that have made us scratch our heads and go, "What what what are you doing?" Uh, just like anybody else out there, she, she's going to make mistakes. I mean, you know, the, and there were a lot of things that I think probably she wishes she had done differently, but I, I don't think that, uh, I know a lot of people who, who work over there at the university of Tennessee, obviously doing, doing what I do. And even people who didn't really like Davenport personally, uh, they liked her professionally and they respected what she was trying to do as an advocate for the students, an advocate to be inclusive for all the students and, and for the people, the professors who worked for, her. Uh, she had a lot of support over there and still does. And there's going to be some blowback from this, and, and the reason is uh, pretty obvious. Uh, you know that there are there are a lot of people who believe that the uh, that the powers that be at the university, which let's call it what it is, it's it's the Haslam family. They're the ones who half the freaking campus is named after them. You can't ignore that. You can't ignore the financial might of everything that they give to the University of Tennessee. It's undeniable, um, but they do wield some power. And they should have some power when they give that much money. but boy, the when you talk about the governor uh, who, who's a Haslam because you know that this is the state of Tennessee is their fiefdom more or less, uh, has has passed, rammed through the state legislature um, some things that uh, are going to limit the board at Tennessee. They're going to shrink the board uh, of Regents there at the University of Tennessee and a Board of Trustees, I, I should say the BoT and um, th- this is going to be met. I mean, this this looks from the outside, it, I, I don't know that it's this, but it really does look like kind of a, a power play um, by the Haslams and by some of those powers that be. They've gotten the Board of Governors or Board of Trustees, I should say, where, where they want it. Uh, and now after not getting maybe the athletic director or the head football coach that they wanted – Uh, they have corrected that in their minds by getting a new chancellor at the University of Tennessee. So uh, we've reached out to to a lot of people who have chosen not to comment, uh, and I can't say that I blame them. So we're trying to bring you the most that we can from this. But if you've not, we've got that letter on GoVoss247.com, that termination or demotion letter, and you really, really should go read that. It is... It is scathing, and we will continue to report on this. Obviously, it's been turmoil at Tennessee for the past 10-plus years in the administration academically, the administration athletically, several programs, a lot of new coaches, a lot of new faces in and out of the program, millions and millions and millions of dollars spent in buyouts. Getting fired from the University of Tennessee remains the best job on planet Earth. That's what I need to do. I need to go work at UT and then get fired and then get paid to do nothing. That would be awesome. I could just go intern somewhere. That'd be nice. Just go pick somewhere I want to go intern because Tennessee's already paying my salary. That, that would be that would be nice. That could be a fun thing. So we'll continue to monitor the latest on that story for now, guys. Um, Wayne Davis, who's been the, uh, the dean or run the uh, engineering, the College of Engineering at Tennessee, or as it's actually called, the Tickle College of Engineering. So Tennessee is going to fix this temporarily. The Band-Aid comes from the from the Tickle College. So Tennessee is going to, we'll see what they do. Beverly Davenport's last day will be July 1st. I don't know why they didn't just rip that Band-Aid off and do it immediately. That's going to be awkward for a few weeks, but they'll get that done. Then they'll have a, a search for a full-time chancellor, obviously the president, DiPietro who is really not looking good in a lot of this, You know, when you start looking at the common denominators here, guys, what do you have? You have the president of the University of Tennessee. You have the governor of the state of Tennessee. You have elected officials in the state of Tennessee. And you have the powerful boosters and the most powerful people on the board of trustees. That's the people. That's the common denominator that have caused all of these messes. And it feels like sometimes they're just kind of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic trying to fix this. But at some point, you got to look in the mirror. I know that. My my parents have smart children. I'm, I'm not one of them, but I do know that eventually you got to find the common denominator, and if that's in the mirror, well, you got to correct what you're doing. So there's a lot of really good people at the University of Tennessee, and not just in the athletic department across the board. A lot of wonderful professors, uh, wonderful faculty, uh, people at the physical plant. There, there, there's a lot of good people across this state who selflessly tirelessly work earnestly for the University of Tennessee and they want nothing but the best for it and their leadership continues to let them down. And uh, as someone who pays taxes in this state, as someone who has a University of Tennessee College of Communication diploma on my wall, I, I, I I'm a little bit upset at this. <laughs> I just I think this is there's so many great things going on in the state. the growth of Nashville, just so many things. Businesses coming in. There's a lot of great things happening in this state right now, um, but, but the state's flagship university cannot get its head out of its posterior, so we will continue to follow up with all of that. A couple more things before we get to uh, the Pruitt interview from earlier this week when he spoke to the, uh, one of the, the commerce groups here, the Rotary Club of Knoxville, I should say. Uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. There's about half an hour of audio there, uh, but in the meantime, a couple more things before we get out of here, guys. Wanye well, Morris commits to Tennessee football. And in any other week, this might be the main story. This is the the first major major coup, I believe, of the 2019 class from Jeremy Pruitt. This is uh, the number 46 overall prospect in the country, the number seven offensive tackle prospect in the country. And he is a massive, massive human being who plays down there at Grayson High School in Loganville, Georgia. He is six foot foot 293 pounds. He's got those oven mitt hands. He's got those long arms. You know, time and time again, you look at some of these offensive tackle prospects, and, and when they get to college, you go, ah, he's okay at tackle. He'd be better at guard. This kid looks like a tackle. This kid looks like someone who, by default, um might be able to step in and play immediately at Tennessee. Might have to. Hell, he might be able to start this year if he was eligible. I guess he's going to go ahead and finish his high school career first. But that is the football recruiting news. There's also some big basketball recruiting news. As you all know, there were two scholarships left for Tennessee in this 2019 class, and they're going to fill one of them again with a grad transfer. Uh, Quan Foray from the University of Richmond, which, by the way, has one of the 10 or so most beautiful college campuses I've ever been on. Some The, the Spiders have it going on up there. they got a beautiful, beautiful little place in the country there. Uh, they have lost also one of their best basketball players now. He is coming to the University of Tennessee. He is a 6-foot, 175-pound guard, very athletic, very versatile, can do a lot of things. Uh, I like the body on this kid. I, I like the athleticism. Uh, he plays with a lot of effort, some grit. It's good to see. Uh, he is, uh, he averaged 11 points, 11.0 points, 3.2 rebounds, and 2.7 assists per game at Richmond, so he's not a star. But he's a guy who started for the past basically two and a half years at Richmond and is a guy that their coach absolutely did not want to lose. And if you're and you're looking to to fortify that backcourt, which we all know Tennessee is trying to do. Lost James Daniel, lost uh, Chris Darrington, they, they need – a little bit more reinforcement there in the backcourt, and they're addressing that, trying to. They think this could be a nice one-year patch, uh, as Daniel was. And if this guy gives you what – he just gives you anything similar to what Daniel gave you, and I know they're not the same type of player, but if he just gives you a little bit, if he's if he's worth a win or two during the season, worth every bit of that scholarship. And it keeps a, a spot open uh, for the next class. So there's a lot of things – uh, that I think are, are are really good about this. This is something that I, I I like this move for Tennessee. And you know what? I don't really care that despite, you know, he, he had maybe an offer from Georgia, he had been visiting Auburn, uh, but largely he picked Tennessee over Florida Gulf Coast, uh, UAB, Missouri State, uh, just not ETSU, not high-profile major programs. However, we know that Rick Barnes does not care about that. We know – Rick Barnes does not give a flip. The, the Congressman Deacon, the good Reverend, the good right Reverend Dr. Barnes, he wants his kinds of guys, and he does not care who else wants a prospect. It does not matter in the least to him. If he sees someone and says, this guy can help my basketball team, he will go get him. And you know what? That's what he said about Grant Williams, and he was right. It's what he said about Kyle Alexander. He was right. What he said about Jordan Bone to a certain extent, and while that's been frustrating at times, he's been right. He's went and Got a lot of these guys who are not big time prospects, and his hit rate's not been hundred percent. It really hasn't been. However, what it has been is he's been hitting a lot more than he's missed. So I think this guy probably, probably gets the benefit of the doubt here. That's just that's just my opinion. I, I I'm not saying the man is perfect. Um, I think if Kyle Alexander does not get hurt, they go to the final four last year but you know what if my aunt had an adam's apple she would be uh, he'd be my un- he'd be my aunt is that right see if i can see if i can get this right if my aunt had an adam's apple she would be my uncle i said it right that time and i'm leaving that in i'm not, I'm not editing that first one i'm just leaving it in there you guys have to deal with that so apologies there and i wish that we had more time Uh, to go over a lot of these things. Hey, here's another thing. Jason Witten retiring. That would have been topic number one in a normal week at a normal place, but not at the University of Tennessee. Maybe one of the two or three greatest tight ends to ever play the game is retiring. A loyal Tennessee volunteer, an East Tennessee boy from up there in the Tri-Cities, Elizabethan, and... He's retiring, so no more Peyton Manning in the NFL, no more Jason Witten in the NFL, although Witten will be in the broadcast booth uh, and making a good chunk of change to do that. So he'll still be able to rep the brand, but uh, it's time for some of these uh, new Wave of Tennessee guys uh, to become superstars. Eric Berry getting healthy would help because he's one of the best in the game. Obviously, Alvin Kamara has already proven to be one of the best offensive weapons in the game in one season, uh, so we'll see what some of these young cats can do. It's hard to... It's hard to replace the prestige for, for a college uh, when you get guys like, you know, Manning and Witten to a certain extent. People don't love him necessarily, but Arian Foster. Where's a Bobby Fino now? Which one? I guess when we refer to him as the football player, we say Arian Foster. Uh, but uh, Arian Foster slash Bobby Fino uh, was also one of the best in the game for a few years. Now he's out of the game. So it's time for some of these young cats to step in and become stars. Rep the brand. I think y'all have heard probably enough of me now. I'm going to get to what y'all really do want to hear, uh, which is some really interesting stuff from earlier this week when Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee's new football coach, spoke to the Rotary Club of Knoxville. Uh, some really cool stuff in here, and we've written some stories about a lot of this so far, but I just wanted y'all to hear all of it uh, because he speaks about his family, he speaks about his background as an elementary school teacher, speaks about his recruiting philosophies at Tennessee, speaks about the pressure at a job like Tennessee – uh, there's a lot of things that he is very candid about, and, and I think that y'all will uh, enjoy hearing this. Uh, I think the sound quality is okay. I've tried to clean it up some, but it's not maybe going to be studio quality sound, but I think it'll it'll sound pretty good. So uh, thanks to y'all for tuning in, and uh, I will now let you listen to what you want to listen to, which is Tennessee football coach Jeremy Pruitt.
0: Um. It's, it's truly been a blessing for us, and we're excited about it, and I know that um, myself and Casey, we're going to get involved in as many things as we possibly can here in Knoxville. One thing about us is we're from very small towns in, in rural Alabama, so we usually know everybody in our town, so uh, hopefully, all right, I'll be here long enough I can know everybody in this town, so, uh, and we got a ways to go before we can, before we can uh, be able to do that. but. I was sitting here talking to Ed, and and I was asking what was the the number one thing that y'all were doing right now in the in the city of Knoxville, and he was talking about uh, the food for kids program. And to me, I thought, what a fantastic idea, because I have firsthand knowledge. Um, 14 years ago, I was a K through third grade elementary PE teacher, and I sat in there, and it was a. when I got my degree I wanted to be a, a high school football coach and I went to work for my dad and, and what he did was probably he changed my life forever and how I view things because he said the first job you're gonna have is you're gonna be a K through third grade PE teacher he didn't put me in the high school where I wanted to be and at the time I really didn't understand what he was doing um, but if you'll sit out there in the mornings when it's 20 degrees outside and you, you see you know five and six seven-year-olds get off the bus and you know they they have flip-flops on they have shorts on you know that probably the only meal they're going to get that week is going to you know be at lunch every day Um, you appreciate you appreciate what you have and to me i think this is a fantastic organization uh... that's doing a phenomenal deed by helping these young kids because until you stood out there and watched them You you really don't appreciate what you guys are doing. I just want to say thank you for doing that. It's it's a huge deal Um, You know when when we decided to come to Knoxville um, It was pretty much hey Casey um, I'm getting a Tennessee job her first thing was I don't have anything orange. I said well you better find something so (laughs) She said when are we going I said first thing in the morning this was like eight o'clock at night so, um, just so happened we get off the, we're, we're flying in the plane up here and I look and my middle son, Rich he's got on these orange and white checkerboard pants. And I said, where in the heck did you get those at in such a short notice? She said, I had them in his closet. So, um, <laughs> but it was, um, I guess he was ready for it a little more than we were. Uh, when you talk about building a program, which is what we're trying to do here. Uh, The first thing, it starts at the top. And Chancellor Davenport, uh, Coach Fulmer, um, they have done everything that we have asked uh, to help us get this deal started. You know, I think, you know, you look at it over the years, there's been lots of schools in the SEC that's had a lot of success. But I think when you look at it, when they've had the most is when everybody's running in the same direction. You got everybody wanting to pitch in and do their part, but it's kinda like having a, a six four, you know, two hundred and fifty pound linebacker that runs four four. If he's running in if he's running in the wrong direction, he's getting there he's getting a long ways from the ball in a hurry. So I think right now at Tennessee we're all running in the same direction. Um, you know, to to build a program it starts with your staff. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate for the men that have decided to to join our staff, starting with the ten position coaches, I think are very unique. Um, seven of them I had actually worked with before at a previous job. Coach Fulmer offers me the job, um, and I think within 24 hours we had seven guys here working. We sent planes out, and we had guys coming from the west coast. We had them coming from our rivals in the SEC. So um, and I think one thing that you're going to see about the staff that we've hired here—they're uh, family men. Uh, we have a bunch of kids. We—you'll see them running around—and uh, we'll, we'll be involved in the community. I know one of the first priorities I've got to do, and I've done a very poor job of this. I've been here four months without my wife, and I have yet to do it. Is every week she says, "Have you found us a church yet?" So if. Um, if anybody's got any suggestions, I need to start taking notes because I, I got two weeks to get one. So uh, she will be here. Um, but if you, if you look at our staff, um, you know, the first thing that you want to do is you want to hire good people. Uh, it's the first priority, and I think something that's very unique about our staff, we have ten position coaches, in, in, including myself. Eight of us, our first job, we were high school football coaches. Um, which is very rare uh, this day and time. Uh, and to me, I think, as you all know, if you want to get into a public service position, it's not for the financial means. Right? It's because we ha- wanted to have a positive impact on young people, and that's why we got into business. So we kind of we worked our way to where we're at today. Um, the next thing, right, when, you, when you're talking about if you're gonna be able to build a program, um, it starts with education okay every time that a recruit comes in our office the first thing that we're going to talk about we're going to talk about good people and everybody says why don't you put education first I went through this process with my oldest son um, and to me it's about who he's going to be in the room with who's who's he going to be in the dorm with who's he who's he going to hang out with Um, it can be the best education in the world but if you're not around good people uh, then there could be issues so to me it starts with The people that's in the room and the next thing is education. I think you can look at our staff, you know, um, you're not going to play football forever. Uh, Tracy Rocker, he was the Outland and Lombardi Trophy winner, he's not playing anymore. Chris Winkie, he won the Heisman Trophy, was a first-round pick, he's not playing anymore. Terry Fair, a lot of you guys know, um, first-round pick, All-American, he's not playing football anymore. So, first and foremost, when we're recruiting a young man. Uh, it's about education, and I can say this, uh, when we came here, there's probably a lot of things that needed to be tweaked, uh, but I can say from an academic support, uh, that was definitely not one of them. I've been at some very unique universities that had really good academic support. I can stand up here and say that the University of Tennessee's academic support for their athletics is the best in the business that I've been around. So. Uh, Our our folks over there, they do an outstanding job. We're actually going to have, between uh, May and summer, I think there's going to be 10 of our our current players or former players that are going to graduate. And and the folks in um, our academic department, they do a fantastic job setting up a a, really a program where they can graduate in three to three and a half years. And that's our goal, is to get these guys graduated. the next thing is, is, is we want to win a championship. Um, I mean, Ed talked about the, the championship programs that I've been a part of. You know, if you look at our staff, between with counting me and the, the other 10 coaches, there's 15 national championship rings sitting around our table. Uh, so I can tell you this. We didn't come here to, to win six games, to win seven games. We came here to, to build a program and, and to put Tennessee back on the map to being the best football program in the United States, and that's why we're here. Uh, so I think we've got the, the pedigree with our coaching staff to do that. You know, you look at player development, when you're sitting in a room, you're talking about, hey, we, we got good people here, we got a plan for education. Uh, the next thing that all these student athletes are looking for is, is what kind of player can I become? You know, and it, it's, it's hard to predict the future uh, but the best indication is probably, look what's happened in the past. Other night, at, uh, with the uh, NFL draft, there's 32 picks in the first round. Eight of the men that were drafted in the first round, somebody on our staff recruited or coached at some point in time in their career, which is pretty remarkable if you look at it. I would say there's there's very few staffs that could say that across the country. Um, you know, life after football. <clears throat> One of these days, it's gonna be over with. So. You know, to me, I, I sit there, I grew up in North Alabama, and, and I always wondered, you know, VFL, balls for Life, what, what is that all about? And um, since I've been here for the last five months, I get it, uh, and that's a, a great selling point for us, is the passion of the fan base in this university. Um, you know, University of Tennessee reaches uh, really worldwide, so you can sit in there with a student athlete And you can say, okay, when you you finish your degree, um, where do you want to live? Well, I want to live in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, well, we got these folks here that can help you launch your career. I want to live in Dallas, Texas. We got these folks who can help launch your career. So that's a huge deal um, because they're not going to play ball forever. Um, You know, when you when you look right now, what exactly is our staff doing? Um, We're out recruiting. Um, in, the, in starting in the, the middle of May, you, you have 168 days you can go out on the road and recruit. You put 10 coaches out on a day; that's that's 10 visits right there. It don't take long for them to 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 eat them up. So you got to kind of figure out exactly you know when's the proper time to go out uh, because every every state does not do spring football. Luckily, Tennessee does, Georgia does, Alabama does, North Carolina is now. But there's some states that that doesn't do it so you got to figure out when's a proper time to go see them now here's a crazy thing you can go see them but you can't talk to them that's what's crazy Um, and nowadays with the rules you know in the past you had official visits you know that started in the season you couldn't have official visits till September so what does that mean we could actually pay uh, for a student athlete and his family to come to Knoxville on a visit uh, for 48 hours well now they have actually moved that window up so it started in the middle of April. So we actually have people coming on our campus to visit us that we have actually never sat down in their home to visit with their family which is, is it's really strange. It's something new. Um, so we, we um, had a couple of guys here a few weeks ago but that's what we did. It's the first time we ever met them was when they come on official visit. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. When you're looking about what we're looking for at Tennessee I can tell you this, it's exactly like I said. I'm looking for, for young men who have a plan for life after football. Uh, we're looking for people that we can trust. Um, for us, it's, it's going to be like a, a, a family. Um, when you bring student athletes into your home, you want to know who's in your home. You want to know who's around your kids. i got a three-year-old and a, a one-year-old. And they're going to look up to the guys that we recruit. So I want to know what kind of people that's going to be representing the University of Tennessee. I think that's important. If you recruit guys with character, that have a plan, um, that are good leaders, and good teammates. You know, We always talk about leadership, but sometimes you have to coach the part about how to accept leadership. And I think that's one of the big parts uh, with young people today. And we've got to do a good job doing that. You know, one thing that's probably a little different for us when it comes to recruiting, you know, everybody talks about, you know, looking at their highlights, looking at their stars. I can tell you this, we look at nothing that has to do with, in the recruiting industry, with the ratings of a football player. Uh, I don't know the, the exact numbers other night, but I think there was 16 guys that were five stars coming out of high school that didn't even get drafted other night. And I think they said that there was maybe eight kids that what even three stars that got drafted in the first round. So I can tell you right now, um, when you look at the recruiting industry, um, I'm not gonna let somebody else tell me who a football player is and who's not. I can tell you that. Uh, So we're gonna do a really good job of trying to find out, okay, A, do they have the athletic ability that we're looking for? Do they have the character that we're looking for? Are they good students? Are they dependable? The first thing our staff is gonna do when they go into a high school they're going to get a transcript. They're not going to look at their grades. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to look at their class attendance. Um, because if folks go to school, uh, then they're dependable. And that's what we're looking for. So, I can tell you this, if you, if you don't go to class, you don't have much chance to pass. So we're looking for folks to do it the right way. You know, another thing for us is when we're looking at these guys, we don't just look at the highlights. You know, one thing I'm doing right now, so, All of our coaches are out on the road, so I'm sitting here. um, It's about to kill me because I'm not out on the road, but I'm working on opponents. I was working on a a couple of them before I came over here, um, looking at uh, organization for camps this summer, and then um, going back and looking at the guys that we've kind of narrowed down and said, hey, these are the guys that we're going to recruit. Well, if you're going to sign two inside linebackers, then you have to offer about 20 of them because USC, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Florida, Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, everybody else is going to offer them, too. So we're all fighting over the same guys. But to me, to do it the right way, we got to make sure we're getting the right guys. So I go back, and I'm watching a lot of game tape because you can tell a whole lot about somebody um, that's not on his highlight. And we we generally make what we call a good, bad, and ugly tape. So if I'm sitting here and a, a kid's got, you know, 25 really good plays, but he's got 25 really bad plays, and we probably don't want him. Uh, you know, you find a guy that's got 25 good plays and he only has like two bad plays, and that's probably a guy that we want our want on our team. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. You know, our football team right now has really bought into what we're trying to get accomplished. I can say this. I feel like we've got a lot of really good men on our team. Um, maybe we need a little more that... that uh, Don't do it the right way so I can straighten them out a little bit. They're really doing a really nice job uh, of what we ask them to do. Um, You know, one thing about this spring, I think we're to the point now that we actually know how to practice. Okay, so we know how to practice. And I say know how to practice, I'm talking about to the standard and expectations that we're looking for. Um, So I think moving forward, we got a chance to get better. You know, I think pretty much for from January to um, the orange and white game, our guys were trying to figure out what exactly these guys want us to do. And basically it's kind of setting a standard because what's gonna happen is this, is right now we only have nine seniors on our football team. Um, so basically the younger guys, they don't have a chance to look at somebody that says, hey, this is how you do it. And, and that's not a, um, knocking our seniors, they don't know how we want it either, so we're trying to teach the seniors exactly how we want it, how we want them to prepare, how we want them to eat, how we want them to train, um, you know, and how to go about their business. So we've got basically we've got a team full of freshmen right now. I think now these guys that are here, they understand the standard, they understand our expectations. So I think we can really improve uh, moving forward, and I'm excited about that. Um, you know, um, one thing that everybody wants to ask me about is is what's our expectations for the season well to me I tell our guys all the time we got one goal that's to do our best okay you do your best when you go to math class you do your best when you go to history class Uh, whatever uh, Rachel who's our nutritionist has you to eat do your best okay that that's our goal do the best in everything that we can do because I can tell you this we play 12 games this fall and if we play to the best of our ability and all 12, we'll have a chance to win every one of them. And what more can we ask them to do is do their best. Um, because the key to the drill to me is looking at it over the years of the places that I've been that we've had success is one thing is, is we could sustain when the other teams couldn't. Um, you look at it all the time in college football. You know, you see a team that's 7-1 and one and they lose to a team that's 2-5. and five. Why does it happen? Um, most everybody gets satisfied everybody can do their best you know for one day or two days or for Saturday afternoon but can they do it over and over and over can they do it when ESPN's got them on TV all the time talking about how good they are Um, you know are they gonna let external factors affect how they play you know that that's the big thing from a mental makeup that we're preaching to them that's one thing we got to do is we got to learn to be at our best at all all the time Um, I can tell you this, we're excited about being at Tennessee. Uh, It's um, the community um, when it comes to academics. Everybody at the university, everybody in the city has been phenomenal to us uh, and and our whole staff. And we thank you for it. We're excited to be here. We want to be here for a long time. um, And I'm excited to see a lot of orange in this room. Uh, So I want to say go Vols. And I'm going to answer any questions that anybody has. I got one in a hurry. Coach, welcome. Glad you're here. <clears throat> one more to hear things are the right guys and I'm not on board, so no problem in the Saturdays in the fall we look to hear team, what, what do you want us to see? What sort of culture of the attitude uh of uh, the Well to me one thing that we're always gonna preach is we're not gonna worry about the scoreboard and uh um, a lot of people think that's the most important thing, which it is. That determines who wins and loses. But to me, when you're talking about 17-, 18-, 19-, 20-year-olds, is a scoreboard going to affect how they play? You know, you're going to play one play at a time. Um, if you're ahead by 21, is that going to change how you play? If you're down by 21, is that going to change how you play? So to me, it's the way you got to think. Um, we want to be a physical team. Uh, we want to be a tough team. We want to be relentless. Um, you know if 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 we play the right way then the other team won't want to play us again yes sir I'm sorry I couldn't hear the last part of it what was the last part of the question oh. next time you come this question will be what have you done oh I got about you academics. oh about academics <laughs> yeah. well I can tell you this that you know um, my, my dad's a high school football coach um, my, my brother is the head of the history department at his high school. My sister teaches uh, elementary. Uh, I think she's a first grade teacher. So that's in our background. Um, we get it, I understand. There's actually uh, two former players of ours that we've hired. So you know these guys have they've played for us. Uh, both of them that we've actually hired actually had an opportunity to go on and play in the NFL. One of them actually tried to quit the team our first year that we were at a place, and we talked him into staying. He was—I mean, the whole time he's walking from his dorm room out to the car at one o'clock in the morning. I'm walking with him, and he was going to quit. wasn't going to be it. wasn't right. We wasn't right place for him. It's too tough. Didn't care about him and all that. Well, not only did he stay, he got his degree, won a couple of national championships, he played five years in the NFL, and won a Super Bowl ring. So and now he's working for us. So we'll probably have somebody like that that'll decide that things are too tough here, and I hope he'll repay the favor. Yes, ma'am. Welcoming old players back, are you um, actively doing that? Absolutely. Um, The way I look at it is this. um, You know, when things get tough, You know, sometimes the fans, sometimes they're fired up when things are going good, and maybe they're not when things are going bad, but the folks that help build this program on the football field, they're going to be Tennessee, it don't matter what. So, um, you know, we've we've got, when it comes to practice, our practices are always open to all former Vols, uh, so... We're really trying to embrace these guys because these guys are the ones that's going to help sell the program. And you know, when you talk about Tennessee football, I know what Tennessee football is all about. You know, I experienced it. I was on the other end of those beatings back in the nineties. You know, so um, I get it. Uh, But when you when you look at it now, the young men that we're recruiting uh, when Tennessee was relevant, which it will be relevant very soon again, I can assure you that. Um, these guys were five and six years old. So when you talk about, you know, embracing the traditions and all that, we, we've got we've to really sell and get our former players involved so the guys that we're recruiting understand it. Take one more, Coach. Oh, I, I've got all that. I oh, okay. after the Orange and White game, you had some comments about some players that you felt had kind of quit that day. So what do you do to light a
1: fire under those guys that aren't producing the way you want them to?
0: Well, um, most of the time, the guys that, for instance, like right now, okay? So in NCAA, you have discretionary weeks when it comes to weightlifting. And so we got three weeks that, that we're off right now that we don't have mandatory lifts or anything like that. Um, and so I don't know who's come through there, and I don't know who's not. You know, that's not what I'm looking for. But I can tell you this, the ones that that I was associated with that got picked in that first round, they didn't take many days off, you know? Uh, and you never had to get them to go. Sometimes you had to say, whoa, but you never had to say, go. Um, so I think um, I think it's a reality check, you know? Uh, I'm not sure some of these guys are used to being told exactly the way it is. So that's one thing they're going to get from us.
1: Anyone else? Yeah, Fred. With your experience, what is the primary
0: difference in the way you treat high school football players and college? There's, there's not a difference to me, and it, it has nothing to do if they play football or if they don't play football. It's just how you treat people. Um, I think you got to be fair. I think you got to be consistent. I think if you're going to be a leader of an organization, you got to define everybody's roles in the organization, and if somebody's not doing it up to speed the way you want it, then you got to be able to confront them and correct them. If not, you're going to continue to get the same results. So um, I don't see any difference in how we coach now and how we coached 20 years ago. And in fact, I think the players love discipline. They love to be coached. Uh, you know, they may not like it sometimes because you know. Everybody's always worried. It's peer pressure. Everybody's worried about what their peers think about them. You know, and sometimes you got to get them to overcome that. So, um, but I think our guys are, are learning to take coaching. Steve, did you have a question? Yeah, coach. Uh, what is your biggest concern? I would say, I would say, us. We're not really worried about our opponents. We're worried about us. If we want to be able to play the right way. Um, and like we talked about, what do you want to see when we play? That's what we want to see, and we we want it to be that way. It don't matter if it's the, the first play, the 100th play. Uh, it's in September. If it's in December, we want to play the same way all the time. Jason?
1: Coach, I appreciate your comment.
0: Well, you know, I think when I took this job and talked about, it's going to take all of us. Uh, and, and it is going to take all of us. It's going to take everybody associated with Tennessee to get us back to where we want to be. Um, you know, we, we can't take a day off. Can't take a day off. Uh, when you look at the, the, the people, I, I can tell you this. I, when I took the job, I sat down with Coach Fulmer, uh, and he looked me dead in nah, eye, and he said, the head coach at Tennessee is gonna be judged on three games, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. So, when you when you look at that, okay, so where we at compared? Uh, that's how hard we need to work, does that make sense? Uh, and I knew that when I took this job. I didn't have to take this job, I, I wanted to come to Tennessee, I can tell you that. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. Last one. Coach, we're gonna let you off the., hook. All right, good. Coach Pruitt, thank, so well, thank you so much.
1: Well, there you have it. That was Tennessee football coach, the, the new big orange battle captain. Jeremy Pruitt. I hope y'all enjoyed listening to that. There, I enjoyed hearing it. The, there was a lot of interesting stuff in there, and gives you a little bit more insight into the man's personality, uh, how he's going to do things, and it, it's different. But I, I find it refreshing. I, I really do. And I'm not just saying that to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. At first, I'm, I'm saying that I I think there's legit reason uh, to believe this guy could be a pretty good football coach. Regardless, I think it's going to take time. And I think that people shouldn't get too excited when they see former Alabama quarterback John Parker Wilson saying that he believes that he's more concerned about Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee in the long run than he is at uh, than he is with Kirby Smart at Georgia in the long run. Whoa, uh, Kirby Smart and those guys that that would be that would be quite the thing if, if Tennessee's able to to do what uh, what Georgia has done so quickly under under uh, under Kirby Smart and I think Kirby Smart inherited a more talented roster I, I do believe so we'll see uh, that's certainly an eye-opening comment though and that, that's the kind of comment that gives you some insight into how people feel about Jeremy Pruitt and and how much he's respected in the football community you cannot deny that uh, well you can deny it but you'd be wrong so the, there's a lot of reason to believe that there's some hope guys I I, I hope that I hope that you see that it's always good for business when, when people believe that there's hope. I'll try to be honest here and tell you that it's going to be a long road, regardless. Uh, but I, I think Tennessee's got a chance with this guy. I really do. I think Philip Fulmer has done a done an interesting job, uh, or done a good job, I should say, bringing in an interesting coaching uh, candidate here in Pruitt, a, a guy who I, I think could could do some things. So, just my opinion. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for dealing with just hearing me on this one. Thanks for dealing with my voice and not running in the other direction which I would have done probably. Enjoy your weekend guys. Be safe. It's going to be some wet weather out there a little bit in East Tennessee but it's beautiful right now and at least it's not cold, right? And all God's children said amen. It is not cold anymore. Thanks for listening guys. We will be back next week with at least one maybe two episodes, but at least one. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Be safe this weekend.